Welcome to this week's episode of 321 Go Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Scanlon, joined by a good friend, uh, awesome gym owner, all-around great guy, uh, Jamie Gallagher. Jamie is the founder and CEO of Origin Fitness in Fairfax County, Virginia, just outside of D.C. Uh, Jamie is also a mastermind leader, a Momentum M3 coach. Those of you that don't know, M3 groups are groups of, you know, four, six gym owners all meet together regularly and hold each other accountable, get some business advice, work through things like pricing, starting new programs, training up coaches, dealing with issues. Uh, it's a uh, just kind of a great time to connect with other people. Uh, Jamie's got a big dog group that of gym owners that are just absolutely getting after it and, and just seeing incredible growth and just good things happening in their gym. Let me set up this chat with Jamie this way. Uh, when we had our last Hubster gathering, in Charleston, South Carolina, we kind of started this ongoing joke about about Jamie's uh, <laughs> unapologetic nature when it comes to ascribing value to the things that he does and the things that his coaches provide. And the example that Jamie provides to other gym owners in my opinion, is incredible. So out of this joke, you know, this joke came through Jamie saying, hey, if you're going to walk in my gym and breathe my air, you're going to pay for it. So that's how we started off. Hashtag air tax. So we started saying that, uh, you know, Jamie charges his members an air tax to come in. And obviously we're kidding around, right? Um, when we make these jokes, we're not saying that it that you want to nickel and dime your membership. We're not saying these things. We're saying that what you provide in the long term, both in terms of feeling good, your members belonging somewhere, your members, you know, having this great community and great coaching, all the things that we always talk about. But when you put real numbers to this thing, when I worked when I worked in long term healthcare, the average cost of a nursing home was sixty eight hundred dollars a month. It was very common for me to see people in retirement age on Medicare uh, go into a nursing home because of completely preventable diseases. They, these are the diseases that we are solving every day as affiliate owners. I, this was routine that somebody would go into a nursing home completely unnecessarily. Start paying the copay that Medicare is not picking up. Medicare is not going to pay for that entire long-term care stay. Medicare is going to pay for intermittent and short-term care. That's about 12 weeks. If you need to be in there any longer than 12 weeks, guess what? $6,800 a month. That's out of pocket if you don't have long-term health care insurance. And guess what? Most people don't. $6,800 a month. You pay that every month. Guess what? You just depleted your 401k, your life savings. All of your pension, if you have it, is going to that stay in a nursing home. Then what happens? You have to start selling off assets. As you sell off your assets, you get toward Medicaid eligibility. This varies state by state. You're allowed to own a home and one car. You have to sell off everything else and you're not allowed to have more than a couple grand in savings. It was very routine for me to see people sell off or spend in liquid assets several hundred thousand dollars. Then they become Medicaid eligible. Eligible which basically is a life sentence of perpetual poverty. 
That's what the long-term health care system looks like in our country today. It is absurd. That's what drives me personally. That, that alone is the only reason I do this podcast. It's the only reason that I want to help other gym owners become better at running their business. That was such... The experience of working in long-term healthcare left such an indelible mark upon me. That is, that is why I left that job to work, to run a gym full-time. Because I saw we could put a significant dent in this issue. So when we joke about the air tax and we joke about charging what we're worth, guess what? Over a member's lifetime, we will show them a 1,000% return on their investment. And I'm talking hard dollars, not just this nebulous quality of life thing. It's, it is a very real multiple return on that investment. And so I think we should be unapologetic about charging for what we provide. And that's really what this episode is about. It's funny. You know, Jamie's a funny guy. He's, I, I love talking about this stuff with him. I love joking about it with him. But uh, the things that we provide are real, and we need to own that. Speaking of owning it, you want to own the direction of your gym going forward, hop into the hub. It's the most cost-effective uh, business and marketing resource out there. There's a million options. Let's get real. There's you know, uh, business mentors pop up uh, all the time, right? You know what? If, you're not, if you can't cut that check... This is a great cost-effective option. $69 a month. It's an MBA. It'll take you five years to fully digest and implement all of the content that exists in the hub from training up your staff, staff evaluation templates, Facebook marketing, search engine optimization. It's all there. It's all there for $69 a month. Hey, let's say you are in the hub right now, and guess what? You're not implementing the things that are in there. We have these M3 groups. It's accountability. This is what Jamie does. Talk to any of these gym owners. Ask them, hey, how has it been since you've been in an M3 group? Lastly, you want to get away from the gym for a little bit? A little retreat, if you will, or business seminar? We're going to be doing it. The hubs are gathering, Park City, Utah, the first weekend in May, stop procrastinating with this thing. Put it on your calendar. Sign up. Not a single person who has come to these things has not had something positive that they took away from it. If you can't turn around and do something in your business to where you see a significant return on that investment, then we didn't do our job. But guess what? Everybody that comes, engages with the content, turns around and does something, you'll see an insane return on that investment. So go check it out. Link in the show notes. Sign up now. We've got a block of rooms that you can reserve. Again, Hubster Gathering, the first weekend in May, Park City, Utah. We'll see you there. Well, uh, Jamie, let's let's get this thing started. You, I don't. I feel like I don't even need to introduce you. Are you at this point? Do you just go by James? Is that no no last name? No introduction. No no history necessary. You're like. You're like Prince at this point. It's true. You... It, it, I, I'm, in fact, I'm trying to create my own symbol <laughs> where, where I just go by the symbol. And I think with your one-eyed dog, you yeah. could, that's, that's clearly your symbol. Just, just hold it up. Yes. That's, that's how you get in places. You, you're, you're boarding an airplane. and <laughs> No passport, just your... Yeah. All right. Well, listeners that don't know, we we're joined by a good friend, a a business coach here at Three Two One Go, the founder of Origin Fitness, uh, Jamie Gallagher. Welcome back onto the show. It's good to see you. Nice to chat. How are you? I'm well, man. Uh, the open is upon us. It is. Well, let's. Start, well, actually, I want to start here. Are you wearing one of your amazing hoodies that you were talking about in Charleston? 
I'm not actually. Mm. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, it's in the wash. But I did. I did just get some sweatpants from from them the other day. I dig it. And they are awesome. I want to come back around to that, but let, you brought up the open. You, you're like the open ninja. You, you've developed a, a pretty strong reputation for taking this idea of an intramural open or Friday Night Lights and really turning it into its own beast altogether. Uh, you are certainly the guy that takes things to, to the next level. So I, I do want to hear from you. Uh, what are you guys doing for the Open this year? Uh, what What is different? What are things that you've learned uh, from from doing like the Friday Night Lights intramural thing? Yeah, so uh, every year we try to, you know, like you said, take it to, to the next level. We, we use what we did last year. We take those, those like, learning points. What, what did we do well? What can we improve upon? And then we build on it. So uh, last year we had four teams. There's five weeks. Each week a team was supposed to bring in food to help offset the other food costs that the gym actually uh, uh, supports. It, it's just a, like a community thing. So, But the, the team that had the most participants last year, they actually had to do two weeks. So now we're doing five weeks. Mm-hmm. Five teams, five weeks, right? Um, so that, that's like a small, a small thing, but what we, what we found was the scoring because it was all Excel spreadsheet and stuff like that. It was really clunky. So we went with a third party, uh, uh, scoring system where everyone's entering their scores and that, and, and that has proved to be pretty good. It has its own challenges, uh, that we, that were unforeseen that we're working through right now. But, um, overall it's been a great, uh, a great process. But then from like a, like a money generating perspective is that we, we bumped the price from $25 to $30 a, a person. Uh, we're not mandating that uh, the athletes sign up with CrossFit HQ. Uh, in years past, we would do that. So because this is our thing, we use the CrossFit Games Open as a catalyst uh, for the workouts and, uh, and, and sort of use that backbone for the workouts, but we, but we don't require that they sign up for it. I mean, we have a lot of newer members and they don't even know, you know, they know what origin fitness is. They don't necessarily know what the CrossFit games are. And so we're introducing them to it through our CrossFit or our origin, origin fitness open next year. They may sign up for the, uh, the games website on their own accord, but it's not something that we mandate. And that's new from years past. Um, and then sponsors, yeah. we just keep getting more and more sponsors every year. What is that? Probably the most common kind of question that I get, Jamie is let's take sponsorship. For example, it, you know, you see it in our think tank all the time where somebody will post something along the lines of, Hey, any recommendations on how you guys reach out to sponsors? You know, it's like, hey, how do you reach out to people is such a really common question from from people. So I'm curious as to what you found are best practices when it comes to, to reaching out to not only sponsors for the the open, but just reaching out to other businesses in general. So, you know, you want to be able to solve a problem for someone. You have a problem. Your problem as as that gym owner is I need some money to to make this thing that I'm doing profitable and worth my time, quite honestly. Like I don't like working for free. Um I'll I like to donate my time. I like to volunteer for shit that I am passionate about, but you're running a five week competition that, that has tons of hours that are put into it. So how, how can I make this thing profitable? So when you, so that's my problem. Then when you reach out to sponsors, you're like, how can you solve, solve a problem for them? Um, one of my former, uh, interns, she now is in real estate and she's a, uh, a real estate agent and she want, she just got into business. So I reached out to her and said, Hey, here's, here's what I think uh, we should do. 
come on in, be, be one of my top sponsors, which means I want you to buy all the food every week and, and, uh, and, uh, you'll get a, a place at, you know, in my gym, you could banner up all this good stuff and we're going to promote the hell out of you. If you sell one home, uh, or someone buys one home from you, it's worth your time. And we have a lot of military. She's, she's super involved in the military community. And so it was a natural fit for her. I'm solving her problem. She wants to get in front of people who might be buying or selling a house who, who are in the economic stratosphere that she needs. And I need people. I, and I, I don't want to spend 1200 bucks on food. It's an easy, yep. it's an easy marriage, right? So like solving problems for, for, for that potential, uh, sponsor is, is really important. Um, uh, another, another member of mine, um, we spoke to him. We, I spoke about him before we start our call. His name's Ben Glass. He, he owns a law firm in uh, Northern Virginia called Ben Glass Law. And he also does marketing the way that 321 Go does for gym owners. So basically, he's like the 321 Go of, of lawyers. And, uh, and he, he's also a soccer referee and he has this huge campaign. He's, he, he's getting off the ground. And it's basically, don't be an asshole to soccer referees. And he has, he's like shaming all these high schools to like sign, like have the coaches sign this like document, this letter. And he, he like shows what teams are are on it and which teams aren't and all this stuff. And he wanted to promote that in my gym as his, as like this thing that he's doing. So he's also a top sponsor. And so again, we, we are, we are, um, helping those sponsors solve a problem. By helping us help by helping them solve our problem. There's an interesting thing there that I feel I feel a lot of affiliate owners leave so much on the table in this regard. And in a way I see it as our strategic advantage. And okay. Jamie, of all the gym owners you've talked to, if you were to ask them what is the best thing about your gym? What do you do exceptionally well? Generally speaking, what is the answer that most give? We've got great coaches. We've got great programming. We have a great community. All right, that's it. That last one, that great community, right? That's the one that we always struggle with putting the tangibles around. When it comes to business development and you working with other businesses, this makes a lot of sense to them when it comes to doing things like leveraging sponsorships. So this is what I think about. Okay, you have, all right, let's just say you have 100 members, or let's say you have 200 members in your gym. What are the things that all of those one or 200 members of your gym will ultimately do or need? In the example of this real estate agent, chances are everybody in your gym is going to buy or sell a home during the time that they are with you. Chance, I mean, there's just a high likelihood over the entire course of your business. Imagine that. Imagine if you are the real estate agent that goes to class that everybody knows and loves. There's not, I mean, for the most part, it when it comes to being a real estate agent, if you are have just very above average customer service. You are light years ahead of the competition in the real estate game. Awesome. I know and trust you. I work out with you, and Jamie vouches for you. That is such an insane win-win that would generate tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of commission for that real estate agent. You know, And I think that we sometimes underutilize the clout of referrals from within our gyms. And, you know, you giving the example, Friday Night Lights is a, a, a small, very tangible way to to do business development. But there's so many other opportunities out there for you to partner with businesses. Um, I know you do have some other partnerships. What are those that you use outside of outside of the Friday Night Lights? Yes. Uh, so we we have a. Uh... A farm share that comes to our, our gym. Uh, they start in the spring and they go through the fall. And uh, they're, they're called Potomac Vegetable Farms. Mm-hmm. 
Um, they're, they're about a half hour from us. And then we also have a, uh, um, a meat delivery service. Uh, they're, they're about an hour and a half. And, and what we do is we used to have like bulk orders, but that, that didn't meet the needs of my members. So really like we've sort of created this like quickie mart for high quality meat. We have a freezer in our gym and you know, we've got, you know, two chicken breasts for X amount of dollars, a pound of ground beef for X amount of dollars, a whole chicken for whatever, sausage, whatever the case may be. And uh, people just go in there and they're like, hey, I'm going to cook some chicken tomorrow night. They just grab the, the chicken out there, write their name on our little clipboard and off they go. So uh, those are two things that are mutually supporting to the gym uh, from a, a, a nutritional and food uh, aspect. Yeah. I love it. it. You know, you talk about if you, we talk about like pain points or what are the things that you struggle with and, and, and things that we hear constantly are, how do I get new people in the door? Getting new people in the door seems to be a big issue when it comes to marketing for gym owners. And I think it's important to remember that around you locally, there are dozens of other small businesses that have that same pain point. And to sort of imagine if somebody came to you as a gym and said, hey, here are 100 people that can afford your services, that trust everything that I have to say, and they would love to be a customer of yours. That is something that you can provide for another business like a farm share. You can walk up to them and say, hey, here at Origin Fitness, we have X number of members that care about eating high-quality things. How about we partner? Like you are solving the same problems that you have and vice versa. There's so many great opportunities there. Correct. Uh, it, you know, it, it's all about what your culture is, but really what your imagination allows you to do. Yeah. The worst thing that can happen is you do a farm share for a year and it, it sucks. Like no one does it. The far, the farmers, they're not, they're not like, they're not happy with how many people signed up for whatever the case may be. And then you move on to, to the next idea. Like everything does not have to be perfect from the get go, but you have to start exploring different ways that you can serve your community. And if you start, if you continue to serve your community, people are going to take note of that inside your gym and people outside your gym will also take note of it because of the, the, the secondary and the tertiary, uh, influence that you start to create. I like it. I want to shift gears, Jamie, because I would like the majority of this podcast to be talking about money and charging what you're worth. I want to open this conversation with a discussion about the hoodie. The hoodie that you were talking about, I I am in love with this idea of this awesome hoodie, and I want you to Describe this hoodie to a uh, to the audience. I've heard about it in great detail. I am, I still have no idea why I have not had one show up in the mail yet. Uh, but <laughs> I, I'm not sure either. It, it, maybe your wife has it. You might want to check, <laughs> check with true. her, man. Or Josh might have it. Yeah, but... right. <laughs> uh, I'm all kidding aside. Okay, tell us about this hoodie because I think this is a great uh, point of reference for us to begin this conversation. Yeah, so uh, this hoodie, um, you know, I was marketed to. Um, it's called uh, the company's called American Giant, and uh, they're based out of San Francisco. And everything that they produce is made in America. The thread, the uh, the the cloth, everything, the the manufacturing, everything it, that is made uh, with with the this clothing line is made in America. And that really resonates with me uh, because. Uh, you know, I'm a former Marine and I, I'm, I am deeply patriotic, but I also understand global economics. There's a reason why uh, Walmart is so, so profitable, why Target's so profitable, because all their stuff is made in China. And so we can, we can say, you know, hey, I'm pro-America, I'm pro, uh, you know, the American worker, but then you walk into Walmart and buy a $10 hoodie that's made in China, Malaysia, Vietnam, wherever. So um, I wanted to find high quality. I wanted to find a high quality product 
um, uh, for, for myself to wear. So I'm sort of on this kick of finding high quality American made clothing uh, to wear. And since I wear hoodies 98% of the time, I, uh, I found this company, American Giant, and I went out and, and I bought their hoodie. Their hoodie is like 84 bucks. Honestly, I think that's a pretty damn good deal because right now I'm also wearing Lululemon uh, pants. They're about 118 bucks and they're made in Malaysia. So the, the, I'm paying more for something that's not made in America. And then, but if I tell people, hey, I think you should spend $84 on an American made hoodie, they may, they may balk at that, mm. even though all their clothing is, is, could be expensive. You know, the Nikes that they wear, the, the Reeboks that they wear, it's all made overseas, but they're, it's all over 100 bucks. but they may balk at this $84 hoodie. Um, and so why, I, why I'm bringing this up, I think the reason why we're talking about it is like you have to value the stuff that you buy in order, in order for the, the market to sort of correct itself and understand that like this is what people are, are going for. And that's, this is sort of like my, my little way of doing it. I want to I want to start this conversation off with some just different ways that people can potentially think about spending money. Ultimately, Jamie, I kind of want to circle around to you know, charging a premium for high-value services. And so I want to use a couple of examples here to to kind of frame, you know, because maybe honestly as business owners, maybe we have a bad perception of how to spend money. And therefore, we project those same things onto our customers. I think that's a very real issue. I So sometimes I'll have conversations with, with people about money and sort of financial discipline. And I find that there's some there there are certain camps of people that believe the the way to exercise sort of financial prudence is to not spend anything or to spend as little as possible, right? Just get the if I get the cheapest version of a thing, if I spend as little money as possible, that that is how I exercise financial prudence. Magically those people always seem to be struggling with money in a weird way. Like those are never the people that I'm like, ooh, they seem to be doing pretty well. No, those are always the people that are struggling, but their their MO is always to, you know, expend as little as possible. This caused me to start to think back uh, when I was, you know, in my early 20s and I was trotting around the globe. I used to do this thing. I used to fly to South America all the time. And my goal was I am going to get to South America for as little money as possible. And the route that I would take to do this, Jamie, was to fly from Kansas City. I would take a flight to Vancouver. From Vancouver, I would then fly south to either Santiago or Buenos Aires. You know, we're talking like 38 hours of travel time all in all for this thing. Hey, but guess what? I saved $200 on a flight. You think I'm doing that today? You think? <laughs> no, hell no. And you probably spent 150 bucks in the airports over those 38 hours. And I only say that to illustrate this point of at a certain point, your time becomes worth, you know, your time where you're going becomes worth something to you. Uh, it's not my goal is to spend as little as possible and try to like squeeze out as much of that lemon as possible for as little money as possible, right? Mm-hmm. And. So there's this value that becomes inherent in the things that we buy. So you buy a $45 okay hoodie, 
or an eighty dollar hoodie that you are that you're you get quadruple the enjoyment and satisfaction out of and you paid double but your enjoyment is quadruple right mm-hmm. there are all these types of things in, in the world where your enjoyment or the quality of the thing is so much more than the premium you pay for it so i want to talk about jamie you are uh very you became famous for the air tax <laughs> <laughs> You are a guy who is not afraid to uh, charge what he is worth, and uh, I want you to kind of describe this a little bit to the listeners that that may not know you as well. Sure. Was it always like this? Did you ever struggle with this? What you know? What What is your mindset when it comes to charging for services in your gym? Yeah. So uh, this uh, air tax uh, hashtag air tax uh, sort of uh, it. it it evolved over, over time, and uh, it's, it only really crystallized actually when we were uh, when we were in Charleston. And uh, I'm not really sure the, uh, how I came up with it, but it, it just sort of made sense. To it's a simple saying, and once I describe sort of the, my 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 philosophy on things, you'll understand why the air tax became what it is. So. When we when I opened in 2013, I wanted to be, I wanted to price myself as a new gym, brand new Nick the New Guy gym as the most expensive gym in my area, and I did that because that because I knew what it needed, I knew what price point needed, I needed to start to pay the bills and be successful and um, and and set my business up for success. And so while it's not it was $170 is what I charge people. Well, now that, you know, in 2013, that might've been expensive. That's really not that expensive in, in today's market, especially where I am in, in the Washington DC area. Um, that's like middle of the road or to the low side. Um, and, but I, I priced myself that way because I was looking for a certain type of person, type of person that I want. I don't want a tire kicker. I want someone that wants to come in and wants a high-level service, someone who is going to, to invest in themselves. And, uh, and having this, this sort of, I guess, higher dollar barrier to entry, that, that's what it created. But also what it does is it gives us an air of excellence. So I can, I can share with my staff, hey, guys, we're expensive because we're the best. You know, whether that's true or not, you know, I'm sure there's some listeners in the area like, oh, you guys aren't that good. And, <laughs> and that's fine. Um, but uh, you have to believe in the, the stuff that you're doing, the services that you're providing. You have to believe in that. And if you don't, that's what gets gym owners in trouble. I can't I can't charge more than, you know, 100 bucks. Yes, you can. Who's telling you you can't? How about you try it first and let the market tell you that you can't do it? You know, um, you have to look in the mirror every day and say, I, I piss excellence. You know, that's another one of my, my phrases. And uh, you have to believe in it. And, and if you're going to give a high value service, you have to charge for it. Because if you charge a low value price and you're giving a high value service, the people that are going to respect it aren't going to come in because they they're going to go down the street to the more expensive gym because price from the outside equals higher level service. Matt, let's go back to our our favorite vehicle, the G wagon. Let's do it, dude. <laughs> dude, the G wagon is 130k. It, it, it's no better than a freaking uh, Jeep Grand Cherokee or a Nissan Xterra or a Toyota 4Runner, really, but the quality of the craftsmanship and the doors and all that other stuff, like the utility of it's the same, but it's the, it's all the other stuff that makes it so expensive. And so when Matt and I roll up in our G wagon someday, it's because we have done the right things in our life to get to that point where we can actually say, screw it, let's buy a G wagon. Mm -hmm. So coming back around, 
that when gym owners say I can't do something, it's because they don't have the confidence in their own ability to execute that high level service. So you, I, I really think that when you price your, your stuff, it needs to be, uh, you need to be in the top 90% of your area. You know, you don't want to, no one, no one, get off that, you know, I've got to be in the middle of the road or whatever, you know, top 90% or be the most expensive because they'll catch up to you. It happened in my market. Everyone caught up to me. And when I saw people's rates uh, equaled mine, I raised my rates Mm -hmm. every single time, every single time. I will not be, I will not be under, undervalued by the guy down the street. Jamie, what what would you say to the person listening to this right now who says, but you don't understand my market, Jamie? Well, I'm not giving you a dollar. I'm giving you a percentage. Mm-hmm. Be expensive in your market. I'm not talking about your how much you should charge. Like, you're right. That's your market. Be expensive in your area. Yep. You know, w- w- like, who are who are we as gym owners to – Tell people what they should spend on personal training, group membership, nutrition, any of this stuff. Lululemon in uh, Wyoming and Lululemon in Washington, D.C. and in Kansas City, guess what? 118 bucks for the same pair of pants mm-hmm. and, this, and people buy them. So, uh, you know, take, take that for what it's worth. I mean, I, I think that we can also do a really good job of communicating what what it is that we provide i think the where a lot of people go wrong is they communicate what they do as a gym membership that is mm-hmm. really it's a weird value proposition especially if we're considering that historically the term gym membership basically meant that for every one person that steps foot in the gym 20 people pay for them to do so and never come in the door you know what I mean? Just the idea of calling it a gym membership without a little asterisk is, in my estimation, missing the point. I, I would say that back to whatever market that you're in, it you could be in podunk nowhere. There is probably several personal trainers providing subpar service for at a minimum, I'm talking minimum $50 an hour, subpar service. You, if you own an affiliate in that same city, you are probably providing better coaching in a small group or group atmosphere for like $6.12 an hour. That's your value proposition in my mind. Like We need to be better at communicating that instead of saying, hey, yeah, I know you can pay $10 at Planet Fitness, but community guys, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's I'm glad you brought that up. I, I believe that, you know, group fitness is being commoditized. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you got Barry's Boot Camp, you have Orange Theory, you have uh, other Group X things in, in all of our markets. And what separates affiliates from those things is the coach and athlete relationship. That is that is what differentiates us from from any other sort of sort of uh, group X experience is is the coach and athlete relationship. And so that is what people have to share with with the potential clients. That's what they have to share and show with the potential client. You cannot say oh yeah, you know, you're going to come in and we're going to teach you all these movements in this big group class. I, you got to start small and then you have to work your way up to that group class because people need to be taken care of by building that relationship between the coach and the athlete. Mm-hmm. That is what makes us different than every other uh, commoditized group training out there. I couldn't agree more that even if you don't eat, even if you don't offer it, I believe that you should. If you're listening to this, you absolutely should be offering personal training. But even if you don't offer it, please, please 
on your pricing sheets, on your website, in everything. Just list it as a service, as a way to compare pricing. I That's like my new thing now, Jamie, is anytime anybody asks me about pricing or has a question about it, my response is, hey, here are three gyms. Go to them and get a quote for three personal training sessions a week for a month. And they come back to me. And then they come back to me. They're like, yeah, they told me $1,500. I'm like, cool. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it'll be $300 a month. You know, we're saving you. You know what I mean? We just saved you $1,200 this month. You know, compared to that place right up the street. Use it as an anchor point. Even if you don't offer it. If you don't have the coaches to offer it, use it as a pricing anchor point. Because then your $150 group, you know, membership seems way more reasonable compared to personal training. And then you have, hey, go get a quote for personal training from these places. Come back to me and let me know how that went. Absolutely. I, it, you, I, I believe as fitness professionals, we should be doing uh, personal training because what are we, why did we open our gyms to serve our clients? And sometimes, sometimes people are like, you know what, you can serve me best because uh, with personal training because I'm not ready for the group. I feel awkward in there. I feel scared. I, you know, whatever these emotions are, people that don't necessarily, people don't necessarily join group because they can't do a back squat. Most times it's an emotional thing that people are stuck on and why they don't want to join group. And if we're, if we're fitness pros, which I believe that we all are, then we have to serve them. So if you're not doing personal training, like you said, Matt, put it on your website, but also you need to start doing personal training. I could not agree more, Jamie. Uh, okay. This other concept that I think that we need to become better at communicating is – there's this idea of utilization, you know, I guess cost for utilization hours is what I'm trying to get at. And I'm going to give you an example of this, and I think this is really a great way for us to communicate the value that we offer. Some time ago, I was at a friend's house, and we were having like a get-together game night type thing, and he, he asked me, he goes, hey, Will you chop up that onion for for this guacamole? All right, cool. Uh, I grab, and he has this awesome uh, chef's knife collection, and I bust out this super high-end chef's knife, and I cut up this, and I was like, this is the most pleasant onion-cutting experience I have ever had. And I love to cook. Man, I am in the kitchen all the time. I love to cook. And then I, I think to myself, you know what? Screw it. I use a chef's knife every day, if not twice a day. I'm going to buy a really nice chef's knife. I just had the kind of, you know, bullshit one that comes with whatever thing you get when you get married and whatever. I was like, you know, I'm going to buy a high-end chef's knife. I use a chef's knife hours upon hours a week, and I'm going to have this thing. I'm going to pass this thing on to my kids one day. And so I did it. And for me, instead of looking at, all right, this was a you know, I just spent hundreds of dollars on a chef's knife. I didn't think about that. I thought about, okay, over the course of my life, how much this costs me divided by the number of hours it's going to be in my hand, my cost per hour is like 14 cents. And my satisfaction per hour is like $50 an hour of satisfaction for 12 cents an hour worth of cost. And that's how I, and now I'm kind of beginning to think about things that I buy in that way it's it's convenience it's satisfaction it's quality it's your hoodie it's the the lulu pants it's the fact that i spend 14 hours a day with nanos on my feet so i need to get a new pair every few weeks you know it's like it's that level of satisfaction and when you talk about all right what is it that we're providing to the members of our gym compared to what we charge them i mean they come in for class. They're here for 90 minutes. There's somebody at the front door that, that knows their name. There's somebody that's emailing them if they don't show up. They're getting free content delivered to them on a weekly basis. They will look 
if they're going somewhere and they need to drop into a gym, we'll do some research for them. We'll send them recommendations. If they're leaving our gym, we're going to send them rec. I mean, it is insane the amount of service that people get. And by the time it all shakes out at the end of the month, what did they pay for all that? The, the number of hours that they interacted with our gym and our brand is probably in the neighborhood of 30 hours a month, right? All right, at a $300 a month membership, $10 an hour, where are you going to get – tell me where you're going to get that for $10 an hour, please. Certainly not a bar in D.C. Can you sit at a bar in D.C. for $10 an hour? No. No way. No way. No. What? You can't even sit at a bar in Salina, Kansas for $10 an hour. I mean it's <laughs> – it's, you know what I mean? So when you think about it and you break it down on that level, Jamie, it's – the value that we provide, I feel no guilt whatsoever, no qualms when I break it down on that level and I simply ask people, all right, you're paying $10 an hour to be here. Legitimately tell me where you're going to find better customer service and a better experience for this cost. Mm-hmm. I can't think of a place. Yeah, and, and, and really uh, when I sit down with folks – and they balk at the price. I, I tell them, you know, depending on h- how this conversation is going. But most times I tell them, like, you either pay now or you pay later. You, you're coming to us. You're 40 years old. You're 40 pounds overweight. Your your wife's on you. Your doctor's on you to lose weight, to, to kind of uh, change, change your lifestyle. And if you don't invest in yourself now, then your quality of life is going to shrink your uh, your medical bills are going to go up. Yeah, I get it. Insurance might pay for a lot of it, but do you really want to be paying money out to an insurance company? Because that's equaling, again, your quality of life sucks. I know, you know that should be most important with people. So you either pay now or you pay later. That's your choice. But I'm here to help you. I like it. Jamie, I want to, to, to wrap up today giving some recommendations to the gym owners out there that, you know, they know they need to if you if you need to raise rates, you know you need to. Like who are we kidding? Uh if you need to kind of start to write this ship when it comes to charging for the value that you're worth, Jamie, what is what is the first thing that we need to do? Yes, yeah, so you know, let's I, I do want to go back to that air tax. Go, uh, yes. Matt. Yeah, yep. Um and the way that the air tax sort of came into into being is that just like we were talking about, Matt, you know, people are spending, we could say it's 10 bucks an hour that, you know, every time they walk in, uh, over, you know, 30 days. Right. And where else are you going to spend 10 bucks and and get the value that you're getting out of it? Right. Well, everything has a cost. Everything has a cost. So when you walk into my gym, you know, if you want to do CrossFit, that's, that's one price point. If you want to do barbell club, that's an additional price point on top of uh, your CrossFit membership. Really, the CrossFit membership to even do anything in my gym is sort of like your your country club fee. It gives you access to barbell club, gymnastics club, uh, open gym. Uh, all these things are add-ons because everything has a cost. And your your CrossFit membership, you know, if you're giving away too much stuff out of your CrossFit membership, there's that CrossFit dollar is going to be spread so much that you're not going to, your, your profit margin, which is already probably pretty low, will shrink to zero and you probably go into the negative. So like every service that you offer needs to have some sort of, uh, cost associated with it. So you can pay your coaches so you can, uh, continue to have high value programs. You know, if you're if you're not able to to pay your staff or if you're not able to uh, create these programs because that CrossFit dollar has been stretched, then you're not serving your membership base. And that's what we're in business for. And the air taxes, if you walk into my gym and you breathe my air, it's going to have a cost. Everything has a cost. You want to use my toilet paper? It has a cost. You want to uh, 
you know, do, again, do open gym, it has a cost. You want to do personal training, it has a cost. So if you have this mindset, it's not a ticky tack thing. It is, this is real dollars here. And for your gym to be profitable, you have to be aware of what things cost. And so everything needs to have a price. And your, and your members are going to speak with their wallet on the things that they value. Just like with me with the hoodie. I value that hoodie. It's made in America. It speaks to my value. So I spend the $84, $85 on the hoodie. Your members will spend the extra 20 bucks, 30 bucks on open gym. They'll spend the extra 100 bucks or whatever it is on your barbell club and your other extra programs. Your members will spend the money where they see the value in it. And it's not your job to dictate to them your, what, what their value is. Your job is to offer them services and allow them to, to have the choice on what their, uh, what the, where they want to spend their money. So their taxes, everything has a cost. When you, people walk into your gym, they are paying for that opportunity. And I think that that's where, on a very basic accounting perspective, the the way that we tend to spend money in the gym business is in sort of big chunks, right? So, for example, okay, like I'm, I'm drinking this uh, this Fit Aid Thrive. I mean, this stuff is a. Speaking of which, a little funny story on this Fit Aid Thrive. I got a. Uh, it's it has cayenne pepper. Have you tried this thing yet? I haven't, man. Oh, man. Okay. I didn't even know it was a thing. <laughs> I, I love cayenne pepper. Dude, so it's it's cayenne pepper. It's got ginger in it. It is it's got a little kick, but I like I like the kick. Anyway, they send me a sample of it. This is a complete tangent, but they send me a sample of it. I try one can and I'm like, Oh hell yeah, this is amazing. I buy four hundred cans of it to sell at the gym. I sell about sixteen. <laughs> so I, so i'm just kind of getting high on my own supply at this point i i must have very <laughs> niche taste buds <laughs> that's hilarious i'm i love that i love that uh flavor profile so i'm gonna i'm gonna look that up today actually you will you'll love it okay so it it is easy for it is easy easy to conceptualize the fact that a can of fit aid cost me a a buck 70 or whatever the case may be and i sell it for three bucks pay sales tax on top of that that is easy for me to conceptualize because it's not granular it's like you know dollar out dollar in it's it's very simple and now it 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 becomes more difficult to get because we are forced to get granular in our business for example all right let's say a decent barbell that spins Plus some forty fives and uh, you know some some decent collars on that thing. Let's call it four hundred and fifty dollars that that costs you. The mistake is to believe that that four hundred four hundred fifty dollars is spent and will never need to be spent again. No matter how great that barbell, those forty fives and those collars are, they have X number of drops in them. It can be dropped X number of times. Now, you have that being dropped by one person in one class. They do grace. That's 30 drops. Awesome. Now, let's say that one person does 30 drops doing grace in your 5 p.m. class. They turn around, take that same barbell, go into open gym. Same member. Now they're in open gym, and they're working on some technique work. And let's say that they do you know, 40 snatch singles working some technique work. Awesome. You just doubled your drops, meaning you cut the lifespan of that barbell in half in those two different services, but you have the same income coming in, right? One person in the door just increased the drops. A person in the door for two hours doubled their usage of your equipment, you know what I mean? And I think that Absolutely. it causes us to have to kind of shift the way very few of us are CPAs, let's be honest. So we have to kind of think for ourselves. It's not a dollar in, dollar out. We have to get more granular with how we use things. You know, you've got 
double the amount of people opening the doors, right? That's air getting out. You know, that's cold coming in. That's there are expenses that add up with more bodies in the door. More bodies in the door sticking around, doing more things longer. That's more dumps that are being taken. It's more times their hands are being washed. That's more it is more everything. And if you don't come in and charge for those things, all of a sudden you got this untamable beast that there's no income to support the usage that you have in your facility. Therefore, the air tax. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And, and also, it, it comes down to, Matt, you don't want to resent your members. You know, you're like, man, these people, they're so cheap. Are they cheap? Or are you cheap? Yeah. And you, and you know, like, so don't resent your members. Give them the choice to drop that barbell 80 times in two hours by charging extra for your open gym. You know, they may not see the value in it. That's okay. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Yeah, I dig it. All right. So let's go back to, let's say we need to start to write this ship. You know, there's, mm -hmm. you know, there's something that needs to be done. What are our first couple steps that we can take to begin to charge for the value that we provide? Uh, I would say the easiest thing to do is, again, use that 90% profile that, that, that I talked about. Be 90% or above uh, price-wise in your market. That, that would be number one. And, uh, and then after that, you set, set up a, some sort of uh, a plan to get those sort of grandfathered memberships on the same page. You know, um, you may lose some people, but then again, that's less wear and tear on your equipment and you're probably not going to lose, uh, you know, if you go from a hundred bucks to 150 bucks and you have a hundred members, I mean, do the math, you can lose, lose quite a few members and you're still going to, your, your profit margin is still going to be the same, except you're not, you have less wear and tear on your equipment and the new people coming in, they value like what you're trying to do for them and, and all this other stuff. So, you know, revenue in this, in this instance would be king. Um, but I would, I would, uh, I would look at your rates. Um, that's number one. Uh, and then, uh, the, the second thing you'd want to do is that, that grandfathered thing. The third, and this is in conjunction with, with the first two is explain to your staff what you're, what you're trying to achieve. They're going to go along with you. Um, but you have to be really clear. So when people walk in, they can share that value with, uh, with those new clients. Because if you have, if you, the owner are scared or feel not, not you're not hundred percent comfortable with what you're doing, that's going to rub off on them too. Mm -hmm. Like you have to have the confidence, Hey guys, we're an awesome gym. This is what we're doing. And that is going to be pushed down to, to, to your staff. Yep. I, I couldn't agree more. I think with staff buy-in, telling them why you are doing it, they will be completely on board with it. And that's what you need going into it because you will get pushback, right? There'll be people that have been with you for a while. You'll get pushback. It is tempting. You know, what is it? Uh, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, right? That will happen. And knowing that going into it, but being armed with, it, it's a good opportunity to also ask your staff to step up. You tell them, hey, straight up, guys, you are some of the best fitness professionals in this city, and I'm going to start charging what you're worth. I need you to prove that you are, in fact, worth what we will be charging for your services. I know you guys are worth it. Will you step up to the plate and show everybody else that you are? Yep, absolutely. And there is a training piece to that too. You, you know, like we can say, "Hey, we think you're the best." All the all this stuff, but you have to continually train your staff um, and, and and help them uh, make that leap from maybe a low end gym to a high end gym. One hundred percent. I want to. This is really anecdotal. I don't know. I, I, I heard something the other day uh, along the lines of you don't want to be, as far as price point goes, you don't want to be in, the, in this sort of 
middle no man's land. You either want to be a super cheap made in China commodity or you want to be uh, the, the most expensive in a category or in that upper tier category. And I have found that when it comes to high value services, like with what we provide, in a weird way, at a lower price point, the customer that you attract is a customer that can just barely afford that price point. Even though it's a lower price point, the percentage of their income that they're paying on a monthly basis is pretty high. Therefore, they feel it the most. They're going to be the people that complain the most. They're going to be trying to get as much out of you for as little. They're going to be the, the biggest sort of pain in the ass. Now, at a higher price point service, what you've done is you've attracted the attention of a clientele that for whom that higher price point is a very, very small percentage of their monthly income. So they're actually paying more but feeling it less, if that makes sense. You know, I think that's Absolutely. kind of the – Yep. that's a category you want to be hanging out in, charging a premium, but your customers don't feel it, right? It's not the I kind of feel pinched this month. Gym membership is the first one to go, right? Mm-hmm. They, they're smarter about money. They find it – you know, they recognize where to find money elsewhere instead of, all right, here's a big line item. I'm going to strike that out. So I, I, great point. This, uh, this family that comes in, there's uh, a mom and two kids. The kids are, I think like 11 and 13 and the mom doesn't want to, do, we, we only have contracts six, six and month, six month, 12 months. And, uh, the mom, we have a punch card though. They burn through this 10 class punch card for 230 bucks. Like it's nothing like th- they just go, they just go. And they're, they're probably as a family, uh, they're spending probably seven, seven hundred fifty, eight hundred dollars a month in my gym because they like the freedom of of not being like boxed in, and they don't feel it. They're like, whatever, just we're gonna come when we want to come, and they come a lot, and they're totally cool with it. All good. You know, and that's just that's just that's just one example. But yeah, but point is, is that if they would still do the same thing if my 10 class punch card was a hundred bucks, you know, they still would do the same thing. Um, but they might not be at my gym because I have hundred dollar punch cards. Yeah. They, yes, you're exactly right. They would go, they would look for something that is of higher value and they'd be able to afford it Mm -hmm. and they won't feel it. Correct. And, And I think that I know it's hard to hear. You know, if you are listening to this right now, you know you maybe need to write the ship. You hear us talking, and it's, you know, again, that gut reaction is like, oh, hey, you don't understand my market. You don't understand the situation I'm in. And I'm just saying that, like, I've been there before. I mean, I drastically undercharged for things. And I realized that I was sort of, I sort of had a skewed perception of how money works and how the value of my time worked. And, once I started to change that within myself, then I realized, okay, we can attract a clientele that values their time, that values customer service, that expects when I'm paying for something that I get an email back response within 24 hours, that I get a phone call response. And, and there's a cost for providing that level of customer service, but there's this entire population of people everywhere that appreciates that level of service. Exactly. And, and the thing is, I think all affiliate owners appreciate the type of service that we're providing when it happens to them. And we've probably paid a premium for that service. And so we have to, again, look in the mirror and say, if I'm going to provide a premium service like we, sh- like we are, but we need to also price it appropriately as well. Couldn't agree more. All right. Jamie, founder of... The Air Tax. When does your book come out? I'm working on it right now, actually. So, uh, so that's funny that you bring that up. Uh, I dig it. All right, uh, Jamie referenced a few things 
listeners. One of them in particular I want you to pay attention to. Jamie was talking about Charleston, South Carolina, which was our last Hubster Gathering. Guess what? We got another one coming up in May, right around the corner. Put it in your calendar. Jamie will be sharing all of the secrets to implementing the air tax. I believe. I mean, I looked at at your uh, your roundtable discussion, Jamie, and I believe that you modified the title to include the air tax, right? I did. <laughs> I did. So, uh, listeners, sign up for that now. It will sell out. I'll put the link in the show notes. You want to be in Park City, Utah, first weekend in May for our second Hubster gathering. Um, so, Jamie Gallagher, thank you so much for coming on the show. I always enjoy uh, our conversations, and uh, I want to do it again sometime soon, maybe a, a follow-up to this, and we'll get uh, a few testimonials for some people that have increased their rates, used the air tax, and and are starting to get after it on that front. Absolutely. Uh, hey, guys, if you have any questions about the air tax or raising your rates or anything like that, you can find me on Facebook or uh, Jamie at 321goproject.com. Boom. All right, Jamie, have a good one. Thanks, man. All right, Matt. See you. All right, big shout-out to Jamie for being on today's show. I love chatting with that guy. As a reminder, you want to dig into your business a little bit deeper? Maybe you need to change your rates? Hey, guess what? We've got a course on how to price everything in your gym. How do you price personal training? How do you price small groups? How do you price specialty courses? We have a class for that. We have spreadsheets for that. We have a profit first course that is in the hub. All of these things exist and they're accessible to you. 321goproject.com slash hub. That is $69 a month. I think you can turn that around and probably 10x that investment on your business. In addition to that, come join us in Park City, Utah the first weekend in May. Uh, the Hubster Gathering will be going over all of this stuff. You'll uh, have the opportunity. We'll do some fun activities outdoors, and we'll sit around. We'll get in these roundtable discussions, work through some issues that you have in your business, do these presentations, and hear Jamie talk about the air tax in the flesh. So, again, first weekend in May, Park City, Utah. Get your flights today. Reserve on our room block. Link in the show notes. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing with a friend. And thanks for leaving us a review. We'll see you next week.